What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 21 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod. And Pat, we are a single digit number of days away from baseball. It's so close. I can feel April 1st. I am so, so excited to finally get there. It feels like forever since the Dodgers beat the Rays in the World Series. I mean, right? could, do you remember when Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell early on in that World Series game? It feels like it's, years it's ago at this memory. point. It's a memory. But, oh man, I cannot wait for things to get started for opening day. Should be a national holiday. It is in my book. So, cannot <laughs> wait to get there on Thursday, the, April 1st. The weather's been so nice, too. It just it, the world's ready for baseball season oh yes yeah, so we could not be more excited absolutely it's such a big deal i changed my travel plans of being uh being home for easter i've shifted it to friday so i'm not missing that first met game of the year on really Thursday night. yep yes because the mets play at night because espn took it um for opening day so i'll be coming back friday morning now <laughs> love that that is dedication right there i'm not so- missing the mets We've been talking about this for weeks now. We are nine days away for those counting. And we wanted to do our MLB season preview. We could have done it next week, basically, but it would have dropped the day before uh, spring training. And we wanted to let it sit a little bit so people can listen to it this week, next week. We'll see how our predictions do as the season goes on, obviously. But the way Pat and I split this up, we took the over-under numbers from Vegas Insider... We're going to pick one team in the in each division, all six divisions. We're going to pick the over-under that we're either most surprised by, we think is the most controversial, we feel most strongly about. We'll talk about it, and then we'll also, in each division, give one player to watch on all five teams that could be game-changing for their team, the division, etc. So we, we are excited with this little niche, and I think we have a lot of good stuff coming up. So I'm excited, Pat. Yeah, I am too. And on the predictions wise, man, I hope I do a little better than my bracket. I'll, I'll say that. Oh. So let's hope baseball wise uh, can be a little more on. Though we were both right on USC, so that feels. You're good. right. Oh my god, I actually meant to bump us. Our Evan Mobley um, segment should be viral on CBS Sports right now. That's what oh, I that, think. Listen, that one made us look smart. I will, I will say that. So I'll, I'll take it. It definitely did. All right. So before we get into baseball, I wanted to do our new Instagram and Twitter followers quickly. So for those listening for the first time, or if you are a loyal listener and you want to get in on the action, if you leave us, or excuse me, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we will shout you out in the next episode. And you, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star rating and review, and you will be able to pick our next best of segment for next week so our new instagram followers of the week we had sport city podcast baller island sport be official sports scoop under center pod zach hernan who's part of blue wire thanks for that follow zach and yankee seth seth conklin on the twitter side as it is being pulled up we had a few new followers here sidelines villanova huge villanova shout out hayden barton Alan Ramich, the Daily Grind podcast, the winner, Nova fan at Villanova Gas M, and Pat, I believe a relative of you, Kathy Z. 
I, I happen to know her. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. I, I would say so. She's a St. John's fan though. So I don't really own her as family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But you know, for, for now we'll, we'll say so. So thank you everybody for throwing us those follows again, throw us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. You'll hear your name and then head over to Apple podcast to leave us a review. We had one review this week from Tim. We'll get in contact with him and hopefully he can pick a segment for us in the future. So that's that. And for, Pat, or go ahead. I would say before we get into it, while we're just talking about listeners, I think there's a special shout out that we need to have for someone that has been a, a strong listener of our podcast, and that would be Joey Orr, who also mm. ended up being written about by Dana O'Neill in The Athletic this week, the Holy Grail himself in her <laughs> article, The Land of Hopes and Dreams on The Athletic. Uh, fantastic to see about that. We know that Joey listens a ton uh, I cannot tell you how hard I laughed once I saw that she had decided to uh, to write about him. So I think he deserved a shout out this week. Yeah, Joey, thank you so much for listening. And Pat sent me a screenshot of the article and I went and read it. And I think you are legend status now. So L- listen, she called cool. him the Holy Grail. The, that the was legend, pretty cool. The legend of Joey Buckets grows. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So why don't you start us off? Let's start in the AL East. Who you got here, Pat? AL East. All right. So as we said, we kind of wanted to go with interesting teams. So we didn't just pick teams that we think are going to finish first, but ones that maybe have a little bit of variance uh, could be a little interesting to follow here throughout the season. And so for the AL East, we picked the Toronto Blue Jays, and that number is over under 86 and a half wins. I go over. I I I love this lineup. From the American League teams, they are one of my favorite lineups that I think we're going to see this year. Now, pitching, as we'll talk about in a second, uh, is going to be a huge part of how Toronto finishes, especially in that bullpen. But going through, you know, that that order, one through seven in their lineup is so strong. Springer, Bichette, Simeon, Teoscar Hernandez, Vladdy, Kavon Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel as a seven hitter is ridiculous. Uh, I think Toronto is going to score a ton of runs. I think that defense is going to be pretty solid there with Springer now uh, up the middle. Simeon's going to be, well, they don't even have a set position for Simeon right now. He can struggle with the glove, but you know he's there for, for hitting wise. In the rotation, Hinjin Ryu has, when he's healthy, has been really, really strong. Uh, I, I expect to bounce back from Robbie Ray. Tanner Roark is Tanner Roark. He's just a solid pitcher every year. I like adding Ross Stripling. Steven Matz is going to be interesting as he really did struggle with the Mets those, those last couple of years, but maybe he can rediscover it in Toronto. A lot of it's going to come down to the bullpen. Uh, Emma, as we were talking about before, Kirby Yates went down with Tommy John surgery today, which is massive, yeah. massive for them. I would not be surprised if they went out and added some type of bullpen arm through a trade or through a free agency. But I love this Toronto team. I think they're going to be a ton of fun to watch, and they're going to score a bunch of runs. Yeah, so before I give my my take on the over-under, I do think they are one of the more exciting teams in this league because of that young core. I think before they even added... Springer or Semyon, they were still one of the most exciting teams to watch with that trio of Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero. I think, I mean, Hunter Ryu was the ERA leader in mm-hmm. 2019, and then they went and added Marcus Semyon, who had a down 2020. He finished third in MVP voting in 2019. People forget that. Yes, Marcus Semyon was exceptionally good in 2019, and yes, that was his outlier year, but I have, I, I give Semyon a lot of credit for putting up those numbers. I actually am taking the hard under here, and it was an under before Kirby Yates. I think Kirby Yates was their most important pickup. I think George Springer 
here's the thing. You you go all in and you spend all this money. I mean, when was the last time the Blue Jays have spent this much money and have been it's, this relevant? It's, it's been, been a while. Yeah. <laughs> but finally, the Red Sox aren't as good as they've been. So I think the AL East has opened up and the, the Blue Jays took their chance. They went for it. And I think they vaulted themselves into contention. With that being said, you cannot win with Robbie Ray as your two and Tanner Rourke as your three. That's fair. I don't think it's possible. But like I was saying, I got a little bit off uh, on a tangent there. So Kirby Yates has season-ending Tommy John surgery because of an elbow injury. He was their most important pickup because this bullpen, besides him, it seems like a lot of guys who have serious potential but just don't have the innings under their belt yet. Kirby Yates is a proven winner. He was, he's been a saves leader over in San Diego. He was the guy that I think made this team a fun story to watch to a legitimate contender. That's the same. Springer did the same thing. Now that they don't have him, they must go out and get somebody because you can't go into the season with potentially Tyler Chatwood being your option or any of the other guys on their roster. I'm going to go under 86.5 because I think it's just tough to be hamstrung by injuries slash options. And behind Ryu, there's such a drop-off in pitching talent that it doesn't matter how good this offense to me, offense is, I don't think the Blue Jays can be better than the Rays this year. Yeah, and that, that's very fair. I base a lot of it that I think Robbie Ray bounces back. So yeah. I, I completely understand that. And as you said, bullpen is going to be massive. I With how aggressive we've seen them be this offseason, I think they're going to go out and add someone. I mm-hmm. don't know if that gets done before April 1st, just how close we are at this point. But I wouldn't be surprised if by you know the end of May that there is some sort of, if not significant, but just a strong upgrade in that bullpen as someone to try to fill in uh, for, for Yates. But you, no, you're 100% right to uh, to focus on those pitching uh, deficits that they have. I say they finish at around 88 wins. So I think they're just, just over, over, but yeah. I give them the over. Yeah. I, I, the, the reason why I talked about all their spending is because I don't think you do all that and then have one injury and kind of throw in, throw in the club. What is it? Completely agree. Throw in the towel. Throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, so I do think they go out and there are some good names. Pat and I were doing some research. Shane Green's out there. He's Roberto the Azuna's out there, <laughs> but obviously there is some, uh, some blood loss between them, so that reunion would be extremely unlikely. Jeff Lunau would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your player to watch in the American League East? Okay. Oh, we also... I don't think either of us mentioned Nate Pearson. Oh, I lo- you're right. It's because he's not... so. Yeah, ex- exactly. He's not in the projected starting five out of the gate. He should be. Uh, yeah. He's unbelievably you know, exciting to watch. What an arm he has, and I do think that he's got a chance to be able to work up that way through the rotation. Yeah, he's a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. They have to be extremely careful with him because yes, he's already dealt with arm injuries, and I think it's fine if he starts in the minors and That's works his I way up. That's why I think he will. Yep. Yeah, especially in a year coming off of the shortened 2020 season where every single pitcher's workload was down, they have to ease Pearson back into it because he's the he's just as much the face of this team as Guerrero or Borbachette will be in the future. Incredible potential on Pearson. Yeah. We got to, we got a little taste of it last year and he is he is so exciting. Yeah. All right, so I did want to mention him because he's important, but he is not my player in the division to watch. I'm going with Tyler Glass now here. Ooh. Because when Blake Snell was dealt you and I, Pat, talked about 
how the Rays seem to just have this carousel of pitchers. And the Rays pride themselves on finding gems in the scrap heap. And that is just, they compete year after year because they're one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. They find players who either haven't been able to get it done in any other team or they take a flyer on a guy who ends up exceeding expectations. Glasnow was a highly touted prospect. He's been incredible. He had a down 2020, but now in 2021, he is the ace of this team. And if he doesn't perform the way he did in 2019, where he had a 250 ERA plus, <laughs> I'm not saying that number is replicable because I don't know if anyone can hit that number two times in their career. But I mean, this guy, a 178 ERA. I think he needs to be sub 250 in ERA. I think he needs to have 10 to 15 wins. If he doesn't perform, the Rays don't perform. And I think there's still a window for the Rays to get things done. The Yankees are the evil empire at its best this year. But I think Tyler Glasnow is a very important player to watch. Yeah, I think that's a really good one to to, to start with with Glass now. Listen, we looking at the Rays, dominance is usually not something that comes to mind. He was straight mm. up dominant a couple years ago. And so the potential to kind of draw off of that, listen, we know what the Rays do with pitchers. We know how they're kind of able to revitalize them and really work on them. I mean, they, they focus on spin rate and all these different things more so than a lot of other teams. At, the big thing with Glass now, which I think is going to be a reoccurring theme on a lot of things we talk about today, is health. Like, yeah. can he stay healthy? Because when he's healthy, when he's gotten to Tampa, he's been really strong. Yeah. Um, he pitched 60 innings in that year that he was dominant. Yeah. So that's not a, a sample size that you can be over the moon about, I guess. If oh, if you definitely not. It would have yeah. been great last year. Yeah, exactly. Would have qualified exactly. him for the ERA title, actually. But <laughs> Where are you going with your with your pick for the AL East? So I cheated um, <laughs> for mine, and I'm I'm taking the Yankees two through five starters is basically how I'm doing it. And no, I'm not doing a breakdown on each one, but it's Corey Kluber, Jamison Tyon, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Herman. Going through that, three of those guys, bare like I what they total two innings a year ago total yeah with, with uh, Kluber and Tyon Herman didn't pitch all of last year uh Jordan Montgomery as well not a high upside guy gives them okay innings you know from time to time can stretch out you know if we're looking at the Yankees as you said like evil empire death star looking to win a world series everything comes down to the that pitching staff for me if those guys Corey Kluber's there too now if Kluber bounces back great then you've got a you know a guy with some high upside uh, as a two starter and you didn't pay that much for him but I thought Kluber made a lot of sense for teams that were looking for him to be a fourth starter maybe a, a, a third starter but as your two it's risky mm. same with Tyon mm-hmm. I, I I think you put it best when we had talked about it when Kluber signed it's low risk and it could be an incredibly high reward and yep. every other team in the league is going to be kicking themselves if Kluber gets back to Kluber form and they didn't spend, I think it was the $11 million on 11. him. Yep, yeah, right. which in the grand scheme of things isn't very much. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, I think, honestly, Jordan Montgomery might be the most solid or the most predictable of I'd any of so. those options because he's been on this developmental track and he's basically exactly where the Yankees want him to be. But... 
Tyon has also been in Pittsburgh, and there has been incredible turnover rate, so you don't really know what's going on with the, the Pittsburgh pitching staff, how his development has been. Herman, off-the-field stuff, I think, mm-hmm. impacts pitchers in different ways, especially at the pitcher position, because that's a... a a position where if you're not in it day in and day out, I think you lose you lose it quicker than maybe some other things. So I actually, I don't think that's cheating at all. I think that's incredibly important because if none of them perform, the drop-off from Cole to Kluber, if it's if he ends up being the two guy, two guy, could be just as much as Ryu to Ray, in my opinion. Yeah, and how I look at them under more of a magnifying glass is because that is what this is for the Yankees. It's World Series or bust. Yeah. So that yeah. that's why I find it a little peculiar that they didn't go for more of a sure thing in their rotation. And I think their title hopes really rest on what that everyone other than Garrett Cole does in that rotation. And the funny thing is that you can't even base it on talent. It's going to be health. That's exactly. It's it's not because Tyon when healthy is really intriguing. Kluber when healthy has been one of the best pitchers in the game. You know, yeah. Herman's had some really solid outings when he, he you know, wasn't uh, having the off the field problems. So yeah. th- there's potential there, but it's can they get back to it for all of them? And it's tough to take that high of a risk when on, the expectations. On all of these pitchers. It's not yeah. one. When the expectations are so high, when mm-hmm. it's championship or bust. I mean, truly... Imagine what the outcome of this is going to be, or the consequences, I guess is the better word, if the Yankees get bounced in the ALDS or the ALCS. It's going to Aaron be absolute madness. Be Aaron and they're Boone just won't be here next year. Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, I don't think he's there much longer anyways. Oh, interesting. But you're, you're betting on the offense carrying you, which for the Yankees, they have the injury bug year in and year out. You can't bet on that all the time. And... You hope you you give Garrett Cole the key to the city, and you ask him to pitch about three hundred and thirty innings. I think Basically. that should cut it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> but yes, this should be a fun division to watch. Uh, for yeah. the Central, we're going with the Minnesota Twins. That number is eighty-eight and a half. What do you think? Okay, so I've been doing on the side. Uh, I've been posting them on Did You Hear? But I've been doing season previews for each individual team. So if you're interested in literally the position-by-position position breakdown of all 30 baseball teams. Check out the, the the previous episodes. I did the Twins today. I've been doing oh, them in, in alphabetical my, order. My plan is to binge listen to them leading into opening day. And do, yeah, all do 30 at day. once. <laughs> okay, over, spread it out over a couple of days, but I'm looking forward to getting into those next week. Well, thank you. So of I course. did the Twins today, so it's, it's right at the top of my head. I was looking at Pakoda when I was doing my over-under, okay, and they had them at 91 wins, and mm. I said just under. So if it's 88 and a half, I'm literally thinking it's going to be 88 or 89. I'm literally there. I think they and the White Sox are in the 87 to 90 win range. And I, this one, the, the Vegas Insider also had the White Sox winning the division. I think... So just for the sake of it, I'll say Minnesota over by half a game. But I think that they do finish second behind the White Sox in the Central. This might be my favorite division race in all baseball yeah, this year. It's underrated, too, because mm-hmm. so many people are focused on the Dodgers and the Padres. Yep. So many focus, So many people are focused on the NL East, which is valid. But the Twins and the White Sox, if you take it down... Defense, offense, pitching, relief pitching, coaching. It's close. It's really close. You can go back and forth. Yeah, it's close. I, As I said, I love the, this matchup between the two teams. I think this is going to be 
one of the most intriguing stories to watch in baseball all season long. So if we're going with the number at 88 and a half, I have over as well. Okay. I, I really like this Minnesota Twins team. I think I, you're, I think I'm around your spot where I think they probably top out at 92, 93 if things go really well. Uh, I can also see them being in that 86 spot, 85, 86 if things go poorly. But I give I think it gives them enough variance that they should be over that 88 and a half number. Going through it, you know, defensively, there is no team in baseball that's going to have a better up-the-middle defense than Andrelson Simmons and Byron Buxton at short and center. I cannot wait to, cannot wait to watch that duo play together. I think Max Kepler doesn't really get the respect he deserves uh, as an outfielder. We know what bringer of range Josh Donaldson does. Nelson Cruz is never, ever, ever going to stop hitting. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Sano gives them so much pop. And, you know, looking at the rotation— we talk about, you know, question marks with the one-two for Toronto and for the Yankees. Maeda and Berrios is a very strong one and two for the Minnesota rotation. I, I like the Twins, and I think it's going to be so exciting to see them competing with the White Sox this year. Yeah, you hit everything I wanted to say. So just quickly, White Sox are at 91 and a half. Did you take over or under for them? Oh, you're going to really make me go that... <sighs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I'll have, I'll give the White Sox over. I think the White Sox win the division by a game or two. Okay. So that's what I think, but I think it's literally going to be the difference between 90 and 80. Mm. So I, I, I give, I'll, I'll say Minnesota over at literally 89 and then White Sox under at 90. I think it is without a doubt going to be a one or two game race. That's what the difference is going to be. I said today, and it's tough talking about the twins without bringing up the White Sox because of that innate competition, but I think the White Sox have a higher ceiling than the Twins do because we know I would agree with that. We know the numbers that Nelson Cruz is going to put up every year. We know that while Max Kepler might hit 230, he's going to have above an 850 OPS. He's just yep. that good. And and the same could be th- said about Buxton uh, defensively, Angelton Simmons, I think one of their best pickups defensively. I'm really interested to see what Rocco Baldelli is going to do in the bullpen. They picked up Hansel Robles from LA and Alex Colome from the White Sox, and they also have Taylor Rogers, who's already there. All three of those guys have been the bulk closer in all their respective places that they've been in. So I think Rocco right now is saying the the quote unquote like, oh, we're not going to have an everyday closer. We don't hmm. want to be limited by that. I, I I think that's just a PR move. I don't think any coach actually thinks that way, but. It'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a competition for the closer. And getting back to to the initial uh, thing that I was saying, too. Again, this team is so dependent on health. If Josh Donaldson doesn't play, this team doesn't win as much as they're expected to. If Mitch Garver goes out there and stinks like he did last year... This team is going to struggle. If Jorge Polanco isn't 100% healthy, this team's going to struggle. So I put a lot of faith in this team if they're 100% healthy, but I don't know how realistic that is right now. No, and those are all fair points. As we said, this race is going to be awesome. So player to watch then in the AL Central. Does that player happen to come from the Twins or the White Sox? Mm, You go first on this one. (laughs) Okay, so mine does. And mine is Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. Oh, I love and, him. And, and why I say that is because, spoiler alert for the end of this episode, I will be picking the Chicago White Sox to represent the American League in the World Series this wow. fall. 
And I believe that a big part of that is that Lucas Giolito is their horse and he's the guy they're going to rely on. I think Giolito, I mean, I remember his days as a prospect with the Nationals. He was so highly touted, came up, was not good with them, got traded over to to Washington, to Washington, to Chicago, and has really now blossomed into a frontline starter. You know, top 10 Cy Young uh, award finishes the last two years. I think he only builds off of that. I can see a top three finish from him this year. I think, as I said, I think the White Sox win the division. He is their ace, and I think they get to the World Series from the AL. That's a good pick. So what I really wanted to do, and the reason I hesitated is because if I had to pick the, the player I'm most interested to watch in this division, it's Alberto Mondesi. Oh, oh I like that. No, that's exciting. Is It's not Bobby Witt? <laughs> okay, I love Bobby Witt. We're not going to see him as much as we hope this year. I, the Royals are at 72 and a half. I think over. they're hard over. Give me the over on the Royals. I think the Royals are extremely underrated. And we don't have to go... I've already done my season preview on them, and I was just gushing about them. So I think if Mondesi can come back, he can have a big year, and he's struggled in moments before. With that being said, because I think the race is going to be so tight between the White Sox and the Twins, I'll go with somebody on one of those teams, and I think it's Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. He is just produced day in and day out. He he won the batting title before. He hit 322. He finished second for the batting title in 2020. I think he can get even better defensively and lock down the White Sox, which have one of the best defenses in the league. He's not as good as the Twins, incidentally. But I think he can continue to be their leader. And also, because the White Sox have so many young guys, you inherently have a few more question marks than you'd probably like. Tim Anderson can steady this team and provide some of that leadership postseason experience that I think some of the young guys can benefit from. I, I think that's a great pick. Anderson, again, you want to talk about fun players to watch? Yes. Anderson, Anderson yes. is right up there at the top. So it's going to be an awesome race to watch this season. American League West, we are going with the Houston Astros, 86 and a half. It's kind of a number that's right in the middle there. I feel confident about this i'll be interested to see if you agree with me i'm going with the under in that oh i hard think, disagree hard do disagree. you yeah i think they're gonna struggle without springer i i'm not sure that how important springer is to that team as a leader as well as you know of mm. course how good he is uh, as a hitter it is going to affect them and that scares me a little bit as well as their rotation because remember they're not expecting verlander to, to pitch this year. I do think where maybe he'll come back later in the season, depending on how that recovery goes. I think the Odorizzi pickup was huge. And that one gave me a little bit of hope there because going into it, I was really down on them. Uh, a player to watch for them will be Framber Valdez, who can has got a electric arm again to look at. But I, I feel like Houston might stumble a little bit and I'm going to pick Oakland to win the American League West. Really? Yes. Okay, so also... Framber Valdez, we probably won't even see him. Can we just mention him a little? He he broke his finger, and they're potentially saying that he's going to be out for the entire season. That's how far I knew he got broken. I was expecting to see him back, though. I yeah. did not read that part. Okay, it's it's kind of an odd situation because I I had the same reaction that you just did. I can't really imagine why he would have to be out for the entire season with that type of injury. But there's obviously something we don't know. Mm-hmm. So they gave themselves themselves some insurance by signing Odorizzi, but Valdez was going to be their best arm. Yes. And Zach Granke will be their number one starter. I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of going to go back on what I said about the Blue Jays because 
I don't think this Astros rotation is very good at all, but I think their offense will rebound to the point where they will have over 90 wins. Ooh, that's interesting. So, so you're going, really taking a bounce back because they were not I, good last year, even, right, even though so they made the postseason. I'll tell you some numbers here. Yeah. Yuli Gurriel in 2020, 76 OPS+. plus. Jose Altuve, 2020, 71 OPS+. plus. Alex Bregman, 2020, 116 OPS+. plus. That's 50 points lower than his career OPS+, plus, mm. just to put that in perspective a little bit. Correa dealt with injuries. Yes. Um, Michael Brantley had a lower year for his standards. George Springer didn't play as well to his standards. If all of those guys rebound like I think they will, this team is going to be back. So, actually, I should have prefaced it like that. All those numbers that I just said, they were one game away from making it to the World Series. Yes, they were. The pitching is a problem. The bullpen is a problem in terms of depth. I think they have a couple really big guys, but the drop-off behind like Presley is pretty significant these hitters are going to bounce back and and you will never see above an 80 ops plus from jose altuve ever again oh that is so interesting no i'm glad we disagree on that so i'm looking at it as i think they're regressing and that last year was a sign that they're starting to regress you're looking Mm. at as they're starting about they're going to bounce back two very valid ways to look at it yeah so i'm glad that we disagreed there springer is a huge blow and i think so you and I have talked about how absolutely elite George Springer is in the postseason. Not having him there in that role as their leadoff guy is a huge blow. That being said, I think Alex Bregman is just too talented. Jose Altuve is too talented. And they're getting Jordan Alvarez back yet uh, this year. He missed all of last year with a knee injury. He was the AL Rookie of the Year in 2019. I think I'm- the Astros will be okay. I'm a big Alvarez supporter. I think Verlander's their death blow is not having yes. the, the ace there. But nope, totally fair. Who is your player to watch in the American League West? This one's easy for me. Mm. Easy. Shohei Otani. Oh, we agree. It's gotta be. This this one, if you picked somebody else, I would have It's been gotta be Shohei. It's gotta be Shohei. He's the only player in spring, in spring training right now, who has pitched over 100 miles per hour and hit a 468-foot home run. If Otani comes back in this form, we saw glimpses of it in the past, but not a full season of greatness from him, this guy is literally going to change the game of baseball. And I cannot wait, because right now it seems like he is on a fully healthy track Mm -hmm. where he'll get the ball once a week, he'll be in the lineup every day. Again, I'm still very low on the Angels, and I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs, and I lose sleep over it but i think shohei otani is exceptional yep and you nailed it there on health it it looks like he's finally healthy which has been the big thing with otani and listen i said it on the first player i think health is going to be something that pops up a lot through this preview Mm -hmm. um otani's the big one there as you said just as pure enjoyment watching watching him go on the mound as you said with that 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 overpowering fastball he's i think he is a better hitter than a pitcher so i i wouldn't be shocked if they want to protect him at some point during the season and they just move him to a dh but man i hope he does the the two-way and pitches out there he is so much fun to watch how can you go with anyone else as a player to watch from the american league West? yeah yeah matt chapman is excellent defensively. i love chapman i love you could chapman. have said a lot of um astros hitters too even some of the young guys on seattle jared kelly getting called yeah. up maybe for the mariners something like yeah. that Kyle Lewis, but it's got to be, I mean, Mike Trout, please. Oh yeah, that guy? It's got to be Shohei Otani. And I think you're right. I don't think 
when I when I say change in the game of baseball, just the fact that he can do it. I don't think mm-hmm. it's sustainable, and I think he's more important to them as a hitter. So I can I see too. as the years go on, he switches into more of that role primarily. But just the fact that he's doing it, I mean, I hope he pitches. Unreal. Well, yeah. Saying that, I I hope he pitches because it's just more fun to watch it that way. All right, let's move yeah. into the National League here as we start to go through them. I mean, again, we talk about Shohei Otani as the the guy you have to look at for the American League West. I think the New York Mets are the team you have to look at in the National League East with how crazy and transformative of an offseason they is they have had. The number sits at ninety and a half. This one was pretty easy for me, too. Over. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I think I've gone over on every single one, have I? Uh, Toronto, I said under. Toronto, you said under, I said over, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, the Mets, I read something really funny in Sports Illustrated. It was like, Steve Cohen can't actually buy these team. this team wins, but he can buy the necessary players that are he going to damn get try. <laughs> so, I- I've said it before, I think... I don't know if it's going to happen now, actually, Francisco Lindor's extension, but I think once they get him signed, and I think they will at some point, it'll be the best offseason in the history of the sport. I think where the Mets were versus where they will be in the next two or three years will be one of the best turnarounds in all of sports. I mean, the Mets are so exciting. Health is big here, again, because Mm -hmm. they have struggled pitching-wise with pitching depth. Carrasco going in there is a nice fail-safe option. Yeah, and as you say, with health, he's going to miss the first month. Yeah, what was that because of? He uh, <laughs> he tore he partial tear of his hamstring running sprints. So oh my there, god, I didn't even your Mets see luck. that. Yes. Oh yes. no. But no, he's supposed to. He's only supposed to miss a month or so. Okay, well, in the grand scheme of seeing that, that's pretty insignificant if he can mm-hmm. come back healthy. Strowman's got to stay healthy. Um. I just, um, DeGrom's obviously a perennial MVP and Cy Young candidate at this point. I think they just added the pieces necessary offensively to get themselves over the hump. With that being said, I do go over 91 wins even. I don't think they're the best team in the NL East. That's fair. That's completely understandable. Uh, So I have the Mets over as well. I think they finish at 93. Feels like a good number for me. As you said with the lineup, I mean, Francisco Lindor is is life. He is everything. Uh, I want to say it's like, I'll give it like 60-40 chance that he gets signed before opening day with that extension. It sounds like they're a little closer than I even thought they were going to be, but also remembering that we're about a week away when we record this. Whatever happens, I do think that he ends up as a Met long-term, even if this extension ends up getting signed over the winter. Um, but looking at the team as a whole, uh, as you said, offensively, this is going to be one of the top teams in the national league, uh, top to bottom. That lineup is this on it. It's fantastic. There's not a hole in it with, with the, the everyday starters in there. The pitching is, is where things can get a little interesting. So as you said, mm-hmm. DeGrom's the best, best pitcher on the planet. And then Carrasco, it's all about health. Stroman, I think will bounce back. David Peterson, you know, is an, an interesting one. Had a really solid rookie season. I think Taiwan Walker was an awesome pickup. He's yes. one I actually said I wanted the Mets to pick up in our offseason preview. So mm-hmm. thank you, Sandy Alderson, for listening there. Uh, <laughs> it all comes down to the bullpen for the Mets is how I'm looking. It, well, I'll, I'll put it two ways. It comes down to defense in the bullpen. So defensively, they're going to play with J.D. Davis at third base, who is a below average third baseman. And they're going to play with Brandon Nimmo in center field, who is a below average center fielder. Offensively, those numbers are going to be really strong defensively things are a little scary uh and then the bullpen wise Seth Lugo being out is already not great so he's probably going to miss at least a month 
Uh, it's how many arms do you rely on? I think Trevor May was a great, great, great Huge. addition for yeah. this bullpen. Edwin Diaz, a lot of people don't trust him. I understand it because we think of the just disastrous 2019 season. And he had the one uh, kind of high profile blow up against the Braves early in the season, but otherwise he was almost unhittable. His advanced statistics are off the charts. I think he continues that this year and turns into the, or turns back into the lockdown closer that he was in Seattle. I'm this is the highest I have been on a Mets team since 2006. It has yeah. been 15 years. This is the best team they've had. Uh, as a Met fan, to take off the analyst hat for a second, I could not be more excited going into the season. Yeah, I think it's 100% well-deserved, and I, that's what I mean by that turnaround. It's one thing to compile draft picks and mm-hmm. you know, kind of go about it the long way, but to have Steve Cohen inserted this offseason and to see him spend the way he did it completely changed this franchise around. So and, and the the NL East is better when the Mets are good too. It makes it more interesting, and that's the yeah. key. Is that for people that aren't in New York and aren't Mets fans and aren't you know tuned into what's going on with them? You didn't see how crazy the dysfunction was for this franchise yes. for so long. They did everything wrong. They did all the little things wrong, and those things add up and they get in your way of winning. I, I think Cohen kind of comes in. He completely wipes that slate clean, starts all over, rebuilds the foundation, and and I think that's what gets you excited about the Mets for now and for the future. Yeah, I'm I'm but, high on the Mets, but my player is not on the Mets. Neither's mine. Neither's mine. This is the guy that I'm actually most excited to talk about. It's Ian Anderson on the Braves. We're very similar with our picks. Okay, that would have been wild if you picked him. So, Ian Anderson, he pitched last year, but he retains his rookie status this year. I think he is a prime candidate for NL Cy Young, and I think he is a prime candidate for NL Rookie of the Year, obviously. If he's going to be in Cy Young contention, too. (laughs) Um, So, regular season, Ian Anderson went out. He had six starts. He had a sub-two ERA. No big deal, right? Then he goes to the postseason, and he's 2-0 with a 0.96 ERA in four postseason starts. It's one thing to go out there. Because of the COVID year, too, I feel like a lot of rookies were thrust into situations that where they've literally never even had a regular season at bat, and then all of a sudden they're playing in the postseason for the first time. Ian Anderson did not shy away from the moment, and he, in fact, put up historical numbers. For him to go in for a full season with a quote-unquote as normal as possible spring training and routine he's finally adjusted to the system now I think he is an impact guy on this Braves especially because they have a few more wild cards than normal I'm still high on the Braves rotation I don't know how you feel about it I'm high on Charlie Morton you know how much I love Max Freed and Mike Soroka I think Ian Anderson is right up with those guys and if he pitches well that makes the Braves rotation pretty elite it's still below the Mets but pretty elite I yes so so interesting on that so I'm also going with another brave starting pitcher and I'm going with the aforementioned Mike Soroka and I think it's all about his return from that Achilles injury that he had Soroka is a front of the line starter when he pitches for them the the Braves kind of lost their championship I'd say potential last season when he went down with that but they injury. were only one game away. Exactly. That's the crazy thing. And, the, and yeah. that's why this Braves team is so talented. Because as yeah. much as I love that that Mets offense, that Braves offense is right there with them, if not better. 
So I think the Braves' offense is great. You add Soroka in as he recovers from this injury. Should be. I think he's going to miss a little bit of time this year, but yeah. should slot in uh, back into the rotation. Again, just raises that ceiling even more so for the Braves. If the Braves are going to compete for a World Series, which I think they are competing for a World Series this year, he is going to be the, one of the main reasons why. Yeah, yeah, that's a great pick too. And I honestly think... You obviously want your best pitcher out there for as long as possible. I think they're putting right now he's going to miss the first three or four weeks or so. Yep. But you give the chance to Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson, some of these other young guys who... When I'd like to Soroka, see more Bryce Wilson. Yeah, when Mike Soroka comes back, they're going to be pushed back a little bit. But get a couple starts out of Bryce Wilson, see what he looks like, see what Kyle Wright looks like. He got some time in the postseason last year too. I think... The Braves are the perfect mix of Major League ready and even more so World Series ready, but they Mm -hmm. also have a lot of bright spots in their farm system too, which is a lethal combination. They do. So the Braves did an interesting kind of rotation-wise is they went more of a, I'll say, quantity over quality. And that's not to say the pitchers are bad. That's to say they have a lot of higher ceiling type pitchers in their rotation than a lot of teams do. Uh, and I think that that can pay off as, in terms of quality innings throughout the season. So they're, yeah. they're absolutely one of the best teams in the National League. And it's been such their MO the last few seasons to pick up a veteran on a one-year deal. It was yes. Cole Hamels, who we didn't get to see, unfortunately. It's Charlie Morton this year. It's been so many other guys Morton's in the past. a good pickup. Yeah, and and he's just going to go out and he, I mean, even if he doesn't perform on the field, which I think he will, that postseason experience mm-hmm. he was he, he threw the last pitch of the 2017 astros championship so yeah not a he adds a add. lot he adds a lot for sure uh national league central so division we have talked about many times through this offseason as kind of not being much to write home about <laughs> uh and i think that still stands true but one of those really interesting teams if you want to look at it is the chicago cubs and their number is 79 and a half which is much lower than what it's been over the last couple of years. And this is aggressive for me, but I say under. Oh, I, th- I I do not. That pitching staff is horrendous. Horrendous. It is. And I think that's the problem. Now, their saving grace is that they play in the NL Central. And they're going to get to play the Pirates, and they're going to get to play the Reds, which it hurts to say that about the Reds because the Reds are on such the up and up, but I don't have high hopes for them. Their number two starter, as projected right now, is Jake Arrieta. Mm. That's on, Jake Arrieta shouldn't be pitching in baseball right now after the last couple seasons he had. Shelby Miller has a chance to make their rotation. Shelby Miller hasn't been good in six years. I'm really scared about the Cubs pitching. Now, offensively, it's a different story. They have Ian Happ. They have Contreras. They have Rizzo. They have Bryant. I think Jock Peterson's an awesome bounce-back candidate, as you've highlighted before. They have Javi Baez. That lineup is good. But that pitching is so bad that I, I think they're going to have some tough times. Yeah. You feel strongly about it. I like it. I, it's it's aggressive. I understand it's aggressive. It, it is. But listen, if we're coming out here to be opinionated, I might as well give you my damn opinion. Yeah. Well, Zach Davies will probably be that too. I like Davies. I like Davies. Yes. I mean, Jake Arrieta has obviously been on a a scary decline in the past few years. But yeah, Kyle Hendricks was named the opening day starter, I think, today. I'm not Um, sure he makes it through the season with them, though. I think they might deal him, which is part of my my prediction. Interesting. So I, I guess to sum up what I think about the Cubs, I'm truly shocked that they're, they still have Chris Bryant. (laughs) <laughs> and with that being said, I think if the Cubs wait till July, had I think if they had dealt them, that would have been a mistake because I think Chris Bryant rebounds. 
I he is too. actually an MVP dark horse for me. Oh, that wow. is how high I am on him. But I thought the Cubs were just... We, we've talked about how they're in this limbo based on what direction they're going to go in, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have all these extensions that they have to think about. They don't have that many guys on their payroll. They don't shell out a lot of money. But they also have some uber-talented guys. So what do they do? They didn't get a ton back for Darvish. They're in a weird position. I'm going to go over because I just can't imagine the Cubs having less than 80 wins with Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Hendricks, etc. But you're right. Their, their pitching depth is scary. Their bullpen depth isn't that great. I do think Craig Kimbrell rebounds a bit, but you would think that their backup option to him is Brandon Workman, who absolutely Ooh. imploded in 2020. They don't have a lot of bench depth which I think bench depth on the positional side, which I actually meant to mention with the Twins. I, I said today on the on the podcast that I put out, I think the Twins might be the deepest team in the league, and I think that's a huge advantage. It is. Oh, if you don't sure. have anybody coming off the bench, if, God forbid, Javi Baez gets hurt, or even somebody less integral to this team, it's nice having guys who have serious major league experience that you can count on. The Cubs don't have that. Yes, I think Rizzo rebounds. Yes, I think Bryant rebounds. Yes, I think Baez rebounds. I still, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not confident saying that I think they're going to win the Central. I don't know. No, the, that's fair. Listen, this division is the most wide open one in all, out yeah. of all of them. Yeah. So if the Cubs, as, as I ran through it, as you talked about it, that lineup's pretty good. So they can string together some wins. I just don't think they're going to get anything out of the pitching this year. And I think that's what hinders them and really makes them implode. I also think if they are losing, then Hendricks and Bryant become even more movable around the deadline, which could cause a late season just... I don't even know if it would be a dip from where they would be in July to be able to trade them. Exactly. Yeah, bias too, especially since he's in his walk year anyway. Yeah, so those are my factors. As I said, is it a little bold and aggressive from me? 100%, but I'm going to go out there and do it. Uh, Player to... Oh, you... Yeah, I just wanted to say quickly, we, we've talked about this too, but it's just one of the reasons why it's hard for me to see them go under 80 wins is because they have one of the highest payrolls in the sport. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why they're in this position to begin with. And that's what's so <laughs> frustrating to talk about. It is. It, it definitely is. No, those I, are... I, I truly feel like every single day, sorry if I cut you off, but no. I, I feel like every single day I could wake up and feel like a different team could come away with the central pennant and by by different teams i mean the cardinals the brewers and the cubs i think the reds are behind and i think the pirates are in their own category obviously i would agree with you on the pirates that's for sure yeah so (laughs) i'll give the cubs the slight over the cardinals are at 86 and a half i think under for that i i I think 86 might be just right so it'd be under yeah and then milwaukee is at 82 and a half right now what i'm feeling and it might be recency bias because i did the brewers earlier this week I think the Brewers might win the division. Mm, so that leads me perfectly into my player to watch for for this year from the Central. And it, to take the easy way out, it's Christian Yelich. Yeah. Because if the Brewers are going to win this division, it's be going to be because of Christian Yelich. And that is exactly the point that I wanted to make. And that I think the Brewers and the Cardinals, for me, are, are one and two in the division. I, I understand putting the Cubs in there if you think a lot of their guys bounce back. Uh, but Yelich, we've seen what he can do. The guy is is an absolute all-star. He does it all. One of the sweetest swings we've seen in all of baseball. Again, when healthy, can hit up there with one of the best averages. Really strong fielder. It, 
he is going to have to have a monster year, which he can do if uh, the Brewers are going to make the postseason. Yeah, Brewer, I mean, Yelich is an interesting guy because he's very, he keeps his cards very close to the chest. So I feel like something happened in 2020 that nobody knows about. And I, I mean, the media in that situation too. I don't think he was 100% healthy, but I don't know. I mean, the drop-offs in some of his numbers, his batting average dropped by over 120 points. Mm-hmm. His slugging dropped by 240 points. That I don't know when the last time somebody that high a caliber of a player saw a drop-off like that. Maybe Chris Bryant, honestly, <laughs> in, in the same division. But, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Christian Yelich is going to bounce back. I think he'll be just fine. My player is also on the Brewers, but he's on the pitching staff. It's Devin Williams. Absolute stud. This I feel like this one is an easy pick, too, because I think he's going to perform as well as he did last year. And him and Josh Hader, right now, I think they're projected by Fangraph's war to have the eighth best bullpen in baseball. I think that's flat-out disrespectful. I was going to say, I would rank them higher just because those two guys alone. I think they're easily in the top five because of Hayter and Williams. And then you have some other guys behind them who are just as good on their own too. But I mean, for Williams to go out in his first year and win the hardware that he did, as in the NL Rookie of the Year and also the Reliever of the Year, he literally gave up one earned run in 27 innings and struck out 53 batters. I don't really have much else to say other than that is complete dominance. And if he can go out there and whiff and have hitters whiff the way that they did last year, this might, this might create some separation for the Brewers because none of the other bullpens can keep up with that. None of the other pitching staffs even, period. I guess the key is if they move Hater or not, because that's what they've been talked about for a while now. I do not think they should, because I think He's they can absolutely the, win the central. Yeah. Exactly. So I I would hold on to him. I think he, as you are saying, it can be one of the keys to them winning this division this year. Uh, but man, I love that bullpen. I think the Brewers are going to be exciting to watch. And uh, I'm going to say the Cardinals win the division. But really? if the yes, but if the Brewers do, it will not surprise me. And I think Yelich and that bullpen, huge part of it. Yeah, I think Arenado is one of the best players in the game, don't get me wrong. But the Cardinals' offense has been so bad for the past few years. That's the scary part. That I just don't think adding him makes them the best team in the division. And then they were a playoff team without Arenado. So you would think, by logic, that automatically makes them better, and it does. But there are just a lot of other weaknesses on that team that I think have flown under the radar a bit that will be exploited this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's as we said, with both central divisions, interesting for different reasons. You know, with, with two, I think, top-end teams in the American League Central, and then a bunch of kind of middle-tier teams competing yeah. in, and duking it out in the NL Central. Yeah, so should we finish it out with a team that's not duking it out? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's a fair way to describe that. So, LA Dodgers from the American League West, and why do we pick the Dodgers? Because their number is 102 and a half. They are your defending World Series champions. Do you want me to take this or do you want to go first? I'll go first. I don't know if a team has ever had a projection that high. I actually should have looked at that beforehand. A a hundred and two and a half. And I'm going to go over pretty confidently. Oh, look at you. Pretty confidently. Literally, I could spend, I, I mean, I spent almost 40 minutes talking about the Dodgers on my own. One through nine in the order 
are some of the best bats in the league, and four of their five pitchers have won Cy Young Awards. The hmm. fifth guy, Walker Bueller, <laughs> who just is too young to Not have bad, won huh? one so far. So, I, I mean, they're building a super team out in L.A. And I'd say I they've built a super team. They've built it already. <laughs> That's what I mean. They They have already won, and they made themselves better. I know that you're low on Bauer. I also think that he that signing will end up being a mistake just because I don't think he'll ever perform the way he did in the short in 2020, but I, it doesn't even matter. Price yeah. is a serious wild card. He's coming back after opting out in 2020. I think he's okay, but this lineup, I mean, it, it's truly... I, I'm just excited to see how many records this offense is going to break in 2021. That's what the so, over-under should be. So I'm laughing here as, as thinking about my pick. I picked the under for the Dodgers, and it is and you are 100% right on everything you said about this team. There's not a weakness on this team that one through uh, one through eight, you know, positionally is incredible. Their pitching staff's unbelievable. The bullpen's got high upside. I'm just saying that winning 103 games, yeah. especially when you have to play 18 of them against the Padres, I while the Diamondbacks and the Giants are not going to be playoff contenders this year, they're also not bottom feeders. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll, they'll win some games this year. I think that number is so high that I'm going to have the, the Dodgers at a little under it. Now, let me be clear. There is no team in baseball that is better than the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's no roster that is more talented than the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is purely a numbers play right here. Yeah. And that is why I go under. And it's a valid one. It's a valid one, especially with the expectations in the World Series hangover. But I don't know if there's ever been a team on paper more equipped to go out and go back to back. More so than the 2018 Red mm-hmm. Sox. And that team won 108 games. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Now I'm sure the Dodgers will go 112 and 50. Yeah, right. Right, um, but yeah, that this they they are remarkable. So, is the best way to put it. This is a similar one with uh, the Twins and the White Sox in the AL Central. It's tough to pick a player that's not on the Dodgers or the Padres. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean Trevor Story on the Rockies. I think you have to give a, a salute to just because you feel so badly for him. Man's gonna get paid this winter. I can tell. Yeah, you that. he'll be fine. He will be fine. <laughs> um, so I have two, and I want to I want to mention both of them. The first is Denelson Lamette, because mm. I think... I wax if, poetic about him. Yes, if he performs as well as he's done, he makes this Padres rotation, I mean, equal the Dodgers. And it's hard for me to say that, but if Lamette is as good as he was last year, I think he finished third in NL Cy Young voting, or maybe fifth. He was definitely in the top five. He's there. And then, of course, in 2022, you add Mike Clevenger into the mix. So he is my honorable mention. But as we went through this, I realized that I think a guy is more important because there is one weakness in this Dodgers organization. Do you know what what I'm going to say? No. It's their bullpen. Okay. Their bullpen is their one weakness. And the face of that bullpen right now is Kenley Jansen. Oh, that's right. I should have guessed that. I know so, you mentioned it before. There are guys, I yeah, I feel strongly about this. There are guys in the Dodgers bullpen that are very good and are underrated. Blake Trine and Victor Gonzalez, even Joe Kelly, isn't necessarily underrated at this point. But they put they put up good numbers. Um, even Julio Urias could potentially shift to the bullpen, which I hope doesn't happen because I I'd think love he deserves. To see him as a starter. Yeah. I think he definitely deserves to be a starter. He was an electric. He was electric in the bullpen in the World Series. But anyways. 
they lack a lockdown starter. And it's kind of surprising that they didn't throw money at a guy like Liam Hendricks or even Alex Colomay, who has saves experience, because Kenley Jansen is just, I think he turned the corner on his career. And it's it's health concerns, right? Which is unfortunate because a lot of it has been around his heart issue and, and a couple of other things. I don't think Kenley Jansen will ever be the player that he once was. And I wonder if the Dodgers aren't going to make any moves to potentially replace him because I think he's going to be on a pretty short leash this year. So I'm going to tell you why it's okay about okay. Kevin Jansen being their closer Please, for now. Please, go ahead. <laughs> it's because he's not going to be the closer by the end of the season. Yeah, the you're closer, right. The closer is going to be Bruce Star Greaterall because oh. Bruce Star Greaterall has some of the most ridiculous ridiculous nasty electric filthy insert baseball adjective here type pitching that you will see out of a reliever i he is incredible and i think he does take that closer role now if they want to keep kind of some flexibility maybe they just use him in in high octane situations and don't lock him into a closer role but i'm looking around that bullpen i love dustin may Corey Knable, I think, is a very solid buy low. He's a new guy, low. too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Is a, is a buy low type guy. Tony Gonsolin gives them, it, it's not high upside stuff, but he gives them good innings. Um, you know, Dustin May is in there as well. So I, I think they're going to be okay, and I do think that Greater All ends up taking that role from Jansen. Mm. No, that's a good take. It's funny because you mentioned May, Gonsolin, and Urias. All those guys All could be- start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could be day two starters on 29 other teams in the league, but because of just the, the depth that the the Dodgers have in their starting rotation, I think they will see time in the bullpen. It's an interesting thing, and I think it also just has to do with the evolution of the closer role. And we talked oh, on that earlier, but there definitely are. If Bruce Dargraderall is the best pitcher in this bullpen, then maybe they need him in the seventh, Exa- and they just can't yes. wait to the ninth. So yes, yes, yes. I think it, it'll just depend on the situation. And honestly, I don't know how many situations the Dodgers are going to be in where they're in a jam, where they're yeah, really going to need somebody because That's their offense point. is that good. <laughs> just think about it. If they're in a jam, though, they can call in Trinan, Graderall, Kane, Lee, May, Gonsolin, Knable. Oh, that, it's just unbelievable. That, that it's roster unbelievable. Is, is out of this world. So, yeah, that, that's what I wanted to spotlight there. And then, uh, listen, I'll just do this in the interest of time. Player to watch in the National League West so that we can move on to the other segments is Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that kind of sums up. I'm not sure much more needs to be said. Is Well, you know what? I'll ask you a quick question. Answer this quickly. Is he the face of baseball right now? Yes, he yeah, is. I think he is too. I don't think he's the best player in baseball. Agreed. But he is the face of baseball right now. And I, I think that's all you need to know for yep. a player to watch. You See, didn't mention so- Soto in the NL East. I trust me, I wanted to, but if we're going off of how I think they're going to compete, I felt like I had to go a meta or brave. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Juan Soto is going to get put up MVP caliber numbers, and if the Nationals are up there by the Mets and the Braves, he can win MVP this yeah. year. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think yeah. that's a good pick. Sweet. All right, so I guess that's it for baseball wrap up. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good it to finally was fun. do right. I, I truly think that while there are. We're definitely going to see the Dodgers in the post. I I won't say the World Series because I I still think that's a little bit of a presumption and a lot of things can happen. Certainly. It's kind of like like March Madness, honestly, right? Like the beginning of the season, we knew that Gonzaga and Baylor were the best teams in college basketball and they're still in it right now. We know that the Dodgers and the Padres and the Yankees are the best teams in baseball and I think we'll see them down the stretch. But some of these division races are going to be ev- are going to be really good, and I do the NL Central. I've said it so many times is going to be the NFC East. It's going <laughs> to be miserable, 
But it's going to come down to it, and that makes it fun to watch. If only someone in the NL Central had Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman yeah. <laughs> to get you Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson. Just throw that out there. But you yes, must be feeling pretty good. <laughs> I feel pretty good. We can do we can do NFL offseason another time. But yes, that was a a solid week for the for the G Men. But cool. Yeah. All right, you want to get in the statistic of the week? Yeah. So we both have college basketball. I think this yes. one was was pretty um, expected. We had an amazing weekend. We had oh, yes, an amazing round of sixty four and of thirty two. And my, the craziest number I heard this week, and it, I actually, I, even if I had gone into NFL or anything, this number is wild to me. It's 5.88. And that mm. is the average seed of the 16 teams currently in the Sweet 16. That That's is really the impressive. new record for the highest average seed in the tournament. 5.88. You have three ones. I'll just go through them quickly. Three ones, two twos. One three, one four, two fives, both Big East teams. One six, one seven, one eight, two elevens, one twelve, and a fifteen. That a is 15. amazing. It's March Madness. Listen, we haven't had a tournament for two years, and it came out swinging this week. The first four made up. The first four oh, action first made four up was for the missed tournament we had. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Just this whole tournament has been great. It's there's so many games of it that have come down to the wire. We haven't really gotten the buzzer beater yeah. type moment yet. I mean, the Virginia Tech in the first game was the wasn't to win, but it was you know obviously to tie it up there almost as time expired. But so many of the games have been so good. I mean, the the game I think you're taking away from this is Oral Roberts taking down Ohio State in the first round. How incredible! that was yeah. uh this is it's been great it, it's just so fun to watch i actually think we raved about the quality of games and then i think the second day it was monday the second day of the round of 32 they were all pretty much blowouts yeah. <laughs> so you feel robbed because one day wasn't amazing games like the three prior days were but i think this sweet 16 i mean nobody expected oral roberts to be here Nobody expected Oregon State to be here, and these teams are legit. Loyola they, Chicago is legit. Loyola it's Chicago is going to the to Final watch. Four. Loyola yeah. Chicago is going to the Final Four, and I'm so mad because I picked them over Illinois the first time I did the bracket, and then I'm like, what are you doing? Did you not just see how great Illinois yeah. played in the Big Ten tournament? Ended up picking Illinois as a Final Four team, and here we are. But the job that Porter Moser has done there, I mean, how can DePaul not throw a blank check at him? <laughs> that's a serious question, though. How yeah. could they not throw a blank a guy that's in your city? How could they not do it? I don't know. It's it, um. I, I heard something today. It's his coaching prowess has been absolutely exceptional in the past few years, and I feel like each time he wins, it just becomes more and more likely that he's not going to be there much longer, which I, is unfortunate. But I mean. What he has done with this program has been absolutely incredible. He is a there, phenomenal coach. There's some high-profile openings, too. Obviously, Indiana right. is the biggest of them all. Marquette is a big job. They're in the top 10 for, for spending nationally on their on their basketball program. Oh, my God. Imagine if Porter Moser went to Marquette. Oh, <sighs> It's uh, I, And it's something that I, I would leave the door open to. So uh, I'm interested to see if he does leave there. But, wow, yeah. what a job he's done at Loyola Chicago. And this tournament's been amazing. Yeah, the real shame is that Loyola Chicago wasn't seeded higher earlier. It, honestly, it's not fair to Illinois either yeah. for them to play as an eight seed, which uh, Villanova knows a little bit about our freshman <laughs> year when they played eight seeded Wisconsin. That was more like a four seed, which is yeah. the same thing with this Loyola Chicago team. Same I mean, exact thing. Just the, the quickest rant of all time here for Loyola Chicago. Ken Palm ranks them as the ninth best team in the country. They were ranked mm-hmm. as an eight seed. So it just yeah, shows you right. how, no, 
No, not at all. Uh, I also have an NCAA tournament stat, and mine is one. And that is the number of Big Ten teams <laughs> that made it to the Sweet 16. The vaunted Big Ten. Yes, that is for you, Michael Bradley. Your team is the <laughs> one that's still in it. But um, the, the vaunted Big Ten, we had to hear it all year long about how great of a conference it is. And they completely imploded in this first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And we are left with the Michigan Wolverines. It's been a big vindication tournament so far. Pac-12 represent. Let's just put it that way. We felt vindicated about Villanova. Take that, Seth Davis. Yes. Pac-12 felt vindicated. It's fun when different teams come out here. I can't even remember the name of Oral Roberts' league. Is it Summit League? I think you may be right. Yeah. I mean, literally that random. It's it's cool to see this. They're giving their team such visibility and exposure. And, yeah, it's great to see... The, the quote-unquote high-quality teams from the Big Ten, that didn't even prove to be true this time around. But it's fun to mix things up, and I think it's good for basketball. It makes the playing field more even, too, for at least one month of the year. Yeah, I, I think this, listen, how the tournament's shaken out has been very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, I'm biggest shocks for me, Big Ten being down to one, not even counting Oral Roberts here. Syracuse in the Sweet 16. I didn't yeah. think they were. I didn't think they deserved to be in the tournament. And now here they are with a chance to get to the Elite Eight with the game against Houston. Jim Beheim. It's what Buddy Beheim. <laughs> true, true. Buddy Beheim. That is one of the coolest storylines of the tournament. I it think. Is. It, Buddy Beheim is. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's it's been a it's been a great tournament. Yeah, and I cool. mean I put out a couple polls on the podcast Twitter. And and it was like most memorable most memorable game most surprising run and I threw Villanova on it because I do think Villanova's run is very surprising it didn't mm-hmm. get any votes unfortunately Ooh, but I didn't vote for it unfortunately <laughs> I didn't either I voted for Syracuse I did but it, too. <laughs> it, it's just cool it's cool to see so many of these teams especially because Syracuse has kind of become hated by so many people and I'm not really sure why so for them to go out there and become another feel good story I think is good for their program. Yeah, I'd say so. And Bayheim's never going to say no to helping out recruiting like this certainly is. <laughs> never. So. He'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. been a great tournament. We're excited to get it started again next weekend. Yeah. So talking about upsets and how many we've seen this weekend, Pat came up with a, a cool best of segment today. We're going to do best upset. What do you want in, in professional sports history, Pat? Just in sports, you know, from that or our favorite upset kind of favorite doesn't upset to, doesn't have to be like agreed upon as the best, but something that we look back at that was a big upset that we really enjoyed. Yeah. All right. I'll go first. I'll let you finish. The first one that popped in, into my head, and again, I'm not really sure if you can call it a an upset, but definitely a comeback. It's the 2004 Red Sox becoming the first team across all sports to come back from a 3-0 deficit in a playoff series they beat the Yankees they went on to win the World Series that year but it honestly wasn't nearly as good as that playoff series win against the Yankees at home there's an incredible 30 for 30 about it called um four days in October it's a great one Yeah. yeah it is so it gives me the chills every single time I watch it but just first of all to make history like that and then just the progression of all the days and everything that went into it, of course, you have the, the big poppy home run that's probably most memorable, but that's crazy. And now whenever any team is down 3-0, 
that's always the playoff series that get brought up. So to be the first team to do that against the Yankees of all teams was pretty insane. I'm counting that as an upset, being down yeah. three games to none in the American League Championship exactly. Series like exactly. that. It's that was, as you said, just every night in that in that series from then on was really historic. Yeah. And uh, as you said, a great 30 for 30 as well. So yeah. I, will, I will definitely count that. And then mine uh, involves the same two cities with New York and Boston. But I am going with the New York Giants Super Bowl victory over the New England Patriots. 18-1. and one. I mean, there there's not a bigger upset out there in my book. Just to stop that Patriots team, a historic offense, Brady, Moss, Welker, Asante Samuel on defense, Rodney Harrison, for little Eli Manning <laughs> to go in there and take them down 17-14. Uh, for the pass rush with Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan, the, the Plaxico Burris touchdown with under a minute left, the David Tyree catch, the game had everything, you know, yeah. moments-wise, and just... As I said, 18-1, and one, one of the biggest upsets in professional in all of sports history. And, of course, close to my heart. Yeah, and it's cool that it was those two teams, too, right? Relatively mm-hmm. close, big markets, pseudo-rivals. Um, Eli Manning, I mean, that's, that's truly something that's unforgettable. And it has so many of the best Super Bowl moments in history. I feel like you yeah. could lift off, list off four that make the top ten in that one game alone. It's it's so true, and that's why I yeah. have it up there for me. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that. It's in the spirit of March Madness. I'll that's why, yeah, right? Yeah. That's why I said it. I thought it'd be fun if we did that. So that, that was a good one. How far is Oral Roberts going to go, Pat? Uh, they're done. <laughs> but it's great that they're here. It um, is. It the, is. the Hogs are tough. Now, I say that, and I pick them to lose to Texas Tech. Or excuse me, I picked them to lose to Colgate in the first yeah. round. Let's not let's not give myself more credit than I deserve. Um, but Arkansas is with uh, Musselman down there as the coach is is really strong, and I think that'll be a tough one for them. I have Arkansas beating Baylor. Wow. Maybe. What? Maybe. What, what do you mean Baylor? Villanova. Villanova is going to beat Baylor. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> Make sure you check out our recaps from those. Pat and I did it together. Uh, for Villanova's win over Winthrop, and then Pat did it alone for Villanova's victory over North Texas. Villanova's dancing, and I am so happy we get to do another recap episode this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm dancing too. I, I can't believe <laughs> that, that Villanova's here in the Sweet 16, has a massive matchup against Baylor, and cannot wait to break it down with you and hopefully celebrate, but we will see because that is a tough, tough matchup. But all right, that will do it then for us on the Did You Hear podcast. Make sure to follow and subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Did You Hear Pod as well. As Emma said, we will be back at it on Saturday after Villanova plays Baylor, whichever way the ball rolls there. But that does it for our MLB season preview. Until next time, Emma, that's a wrap. <laughs>